is the Brothers on Books podcast, the greatest podcast with the best brothers talking about the best books. Please welcome your hosts, Jack and Alex, the Brothers on Books. Smash the like button and subscribe. Karate chop the like button and subscribe. What to do, what to do. This is the Brothers on Books podcast, where we find great books that will give you real value and actual steps and have fun in the process. Please reach out to us at brothersonbooks at gmail.com for any book recommendation, or if you would like to be a guest host for a particular book you have in mind. A great review or rating on whichever platform you're listening to would be greatly appreciated. And lastly, if you can think of any friend, family member, or coworker that might like this episode, please pass it along. For the original episodes, the OGs, please visit brothersonbooks.com. I'm Alex Allwile, and with me as always is my brother Jack Allwile. Jack, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, Al. How's it going there? You know, it's been all right. It's very hot, as we were just talking about uh, off screen. I finally closed on my triplex on Monday. So I was going to mention that because that was one of your uh, things you discussed on the goals episode a couple episodes ago. I finally got that taken care of. Awesome. I'm relatively sure a lot of the additional stress has not kicked in yet, but yeah, I'm sure it will soon. Actually, before this, I just interviewed a uh, potential roommate to move into my apartment with me. Cool. So that would be nice. Other than that, yeah, just working, playing some pickle. That's about it. We played pickleball for like 30 minutes today. We showed up, there was no one at the courts, and it was so hot that we like practice served for like a half an hour and then left. <laughs> wow. Practicing a pickleball serve for a half an hour is actually quite a bit of time. Yeah. My serve's getting pretty wicked. I slice, drop, serve. Yeah. But it, yeah. We'll it kill them with that mean 12 foot lob. I haven't been doing as many lobs, but occasionally I'll still mix it in. <laughs> well, I guess with that said, the book we are discussing today is Grunch of Giants by R. Buckminster Fuller. Jack, do you want to give a brief background on Dr. Fuller? Sure. So the R stands for Richard. So Richard Buckminster Fuller was an American architect, systems theorist, author, designer, inventor, philosopher, critiker, critic of work, and futurist. He styled his name as R. Buckminster Fuller in his writings, publishing more than 30 books and coining or popularizing such terms as Spaceship Earth, Dimaxian, Dimaxian House, Dimaxian Car, Dimaxian Map, Ephemeralization, Synergetics, and Tenzegrity. <laughs> I mean, so that, that, that was the Wikipedia blurb. I will say I know him most notably as being the mentor of Robert Kiyosaki. I don't know about you, how you heard about him, but that's where I heard about him initially. So I actually initially heard about him. Let me see if I can find it. Because he was the inventor of, I believe, fullerene. My initial understanding is just a carbon-based, like almost ball. But yeah, I've heard him talk the most about by Kiyosaki. And at first, it didn't really click. The two people were, in fact, one and the same. But yeah, they are. So what what were your thoughts after finishing this one and were you happy you picked this as part of the book draft yeah you know well for one i was very confused that kiwasaki speaks so highly of him actually now as i'm looking at the cover i believe what i'm talking about fullerene is actually on the cover of this book this little i believe this is actually 
what I was talking about. I think he, I don't exactly you, remember. You, you, I remember. See, you see those shapes on like playgrounds a lot too. Isn't that what that, right. yeah, that shape that he builds a lot in. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I, I usually enjoy like listening and reading to the people that Kiyosaki talks about just because I tend to agree with Kiyosaki a lot. I was very surprised that Kiyosaki liked him so much. To me, he almost, the way he talks, he sounds very bitter a little bit about big business. I don't know if you got the same feeling. I, I felt like maybe at one point he felt like some of his inventions were uh, kind of thrown under the rug by people with more power. That was something that I kind of felt from his readings. Would you say that Robert Kiyosaki is bitter about a lot of big businesses and corporations and nonprofits and Maybe nonprofits. I don't think he's bigger. I mean, he himself is big business. Think so? I mean, I, I guess mean, in some, yeah, I mean, Rich Dad is a, but I, I guess like, I, I don't know I, how many employees Kiyosaki has. It's probably in the thousands at this point, but not totally yeah. sure. I mean, he's obviously not at the same level as like, I mean, some of the companies he talks about in this book are IBM, Dow, some of those old railroad companies. He's probably not at that level. And I doubt he's peddling the same type of political influence that those guys are. I mean, to be honest with you, most of when I hear Kiyosaki sounds bitter to me is when he talks about having his uh, gold mine sequestered in China. That's when I feel like he sounds the most bitter. Okay. I don't know. I mean, what would you say? I think my expectations were very high for this book just because Kiyosaki speaks of him so highly. So I felt kind of like I was getting gaslit because I was like, what's the fuss? Like, I wish... I'll say if we could get Miss Dr. Buckminster Fuller on the show, he unfortunately passed away. But if he were available to talk to, I'm sure he would be a very interesting listen. And he seems very, you know, intelligent, well-rounded, studied very deeply on so many subjects. But like this book, I just, I don't know what I'm really walking away with other than kind of separation between money and wealth once again. Yeah, I actually found his writing style very hard to sort of absolve or not absolve, absorb. I found like it was easy to read, but like a lot of times I'm like, what are you trying to say? Just the way he wrote, I found somewhat difficult. And like on his wiki page, he did make up some words. And I think the other books he's written are even harder to read. Luckily, I mean, this book was only about 90 pages. So, yeah, but it, it's a tough 90 to get through and. But yeah, there was like, I mean, he talks about his book, Critical Path. He talks about his books, Synergetics and Synergetics 2. I don't even know what Synergetics means. <laughs> it's a word he made up. Yeah, I mean, actually, sort of like what you just said, I, I felt like I had real high expectations for this because Kiyosaki speaks so highly of them. And then I kind of was like, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's just that like, because this book came out in the 80s. So maybe it's just that everyone else like I listened to and follow kind of was following from him. And I'm just going in reverse. So you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I wasn't super thrilled with it. I, I guess I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. For the most part, I'd say I was neutral yeah. about the book. But yeah, I don't feel like actually the one thing I took away was at one point he was talking about savings rates gaining you a 4% interest a year. And I just remember thinking that would be nice uh -huh. if we could get that today. So I don't really know. Um, well, I'll give you a quote. I mean, this is something that I think we talk about a lot, but he gets at it again. This is from chapter six, Can't Fool Cosmic Computers, oddly named. But the quote goes, money is not wealth. 
and that wealth is the organized technological capability to protect, nurture, educate, and accommodate the forward days of humans, whereas money is only a medium of exchange and a cash accounting system. So that's an end quote. I almost thought he was slightly hinting at something like Bitcoin taking shape or some sort of solid currency, but I don't know if my last solo mission episode was Sanity is the Future of Wealth by Aaron Clary. And a large part of that book is about how to separate like the real world from this fiat system and how money is just one thing. And I thought Aaron Clary did was a little more entertaining to read. <laughs> Got across basically the same message. I don't know. I guess the other thing I sort of thought he talked a lot about was, yeah, sort of in the same vein, like maybe I'm just looking into this too much. Like people focus a lot on just making money and not like actually providing for humanity and, and that disconnect. Like, and I sort of feel like what he's saying is he's trying to invent goods and make new things that make humanity as a whole better. But a lot of people he, I sort of feel like he's saying are just trying to uh, rig the money system and just artificially make it so they have more money, but not really provide anything to humanity. He was saying know. some of his inventions, he was kind of saying are, were like decades too early almost. Like yeah. he would make something. I mean, a lot of people kind of talk about like, you know, just tinkering around and then you invent something and then you have to figure out how people like use it and it can take some time. Yeah, he's definitely a heavy hitter inventor. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of people who have talked sort of about that. I vaguely remember listening to someone talk about, I guess, what would be the analogy for online dating in like the 90s and how they would film themselves and then they, they would mail their film to some company and then that would get spread out on the subscribers through VHS. And then if you liked the person, you would leave a number and they could call you. Mm -hmm. And that went under. But I mean, online dating today is a massive, massive series of corporations. So just like about being, yeah, like you said, being too early. You know, yeah, he's got, a, he's got a good quote on that topic that goes, the greatest evolution producing revolutions are complex and take the longest to be realized. So the big time inventions, it's kind of like a slow burn until they get adopted, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he talked about the, he sort of tied into the fact about how invention should make costs go down, but then, you know, why costs of everything keep going up? And how, you know, these, I guess, invisible giants are like really stealing your wealth. Yeah, he touches on so, inflation a lot, robbing, uh, right. you know, typical person. I actually sort of thought back a lot to Jeff Boost, The Price of Tomorrow, where he makes the point about like how his, you know, inventions become better, things become cheaper. It's essentially all deflationary pressure, yet the cost of a lot of these goods continues to go up. I think he brought up leather shoes at one point and he said, in whatever year it was, the best pair of leather shoes cost like $5. And then like 20 years later, they were close to 50. And he sort of makes the point was like, has the cow's hide become, you know, 20 times better or 10, sorry, 10 times better? And the answer is not really, no. Essentially robbing you of your hours or your money. So what are your big takeaways from this, if any? <laughs> you know, 
I don't really feel like I had any big takeaways from this. I mean, I feel like he talks a lot about, I don't know, I guess, well, let me ask you this question. Do you feel like big corporations rig the political system? Yeah, probably to some extent. I mean, I kind of feel like, I mean, and this goes back to what was the book we read? Economics for One Lesson. It might have been, yeah, where we were discussing the purpose of a country. And like, to me, it seems like the head honchos, you know, kind of move in and out of countries seamlessly. And he kind of brings up how companies kind of have that privilege in a lot of ways, whereas people can't freely move like the big corporations. And a lot of the, I guess, global elite, I would say it's kind of like there's just one system that's not, whereas a lot of like the commoners are restricted and put into these bubbles um, and can't move as freely between countries. And I mean, yeah, it kind of goes, I do like believe that it would be better if there was more free movement of people. And he does talk about the UN a lot in this book, and that's kind of been brought up. I think Robert Kiyosaki's brought that up, how the agenda of the UN might be a little dark, I guess. not Maybe not dark, but it's kind of like they're running the show in some ways. You mean the show of the world or the show of Europe? The world. The UN? Yeah. In what way? I mean, you got all these countries coming together to basically, I guess, regulate the world. And if you're not a UN country... I guess you'd be out of the loop and kind of penalized, I guess. I'm not, I mean, I don't know a ton about the UN, even though my wife used to work for a UN agency and she seemed to have great benefits and all that, but. Paid, um, paid for by us. Yep, exactly. So. I mean, I, um, well, I guess back back to your previous point, do you not feel like there is, well, I mean, I, I guess you would know better than me. I mean, Elena's moved here, but. The process is not has been difficult. I guess is that what you're about to say? Super slow. Yeah, and if you know, there's certain countries that it's just it's not easy to get citizenship. If you like Japan, Japan is incredibly homogeneous, and as a non-Japanese person, like if you wanted to go live in Japan and you know start a matcha farm, which I have like dabbled in my mind with, like it doesn't seem doable. Like, I, or it seems very difficult. Maybe I just don't know the right people or the right process, but certain places seem harder to integrate with. And if you wanted to do something in some of those countries, it might not be in the cards for you. I guess I would say, what about like a country that, I mean, you've been in Japan. I was in Japan. My impression of when I was in Japan was that the Japanese really didn't want a whole lot to do with me. So I guess what I'm saying is I didn't really feel like they wanted foreigners to move there. I agree. It seems like they pride themselves on being so homogeneous, which is why it's hard to get citizenship as a non-Japanese person. Okay, right. So I guess my next question, like, well, what about moving to a country? I mean, I haven't looked into this, but I have to imagine that if we wanted to go move to Israel. Oh, well, that that would be easy Israel would be, right, they would be super welcoming to us. I have a feeling that a lot of, you know, a lot of South American countries would be very welcoming to us. I think, right. I mean, I think you're, you're right. It's very cultural thing. I think there are definitely some countries that would be more open and that would make the process of moving there very easy. Yeah. Certain, certain countries, it, it is easy to move there, but I just wish it was like that everywhere. I guess I always come back to like, well, I mean, what is the point of a country? I mean, I kind of, uh, I just, well, how um, would you have it set up then that there's, there's just one overarching government 
you know, I, I don't exactly know, but I just wish people could find, I think it might be better for everyone if there was a little more movement and if someone's passionate about something that's specific to one country, they could go do that. It not be so hard sometimes. Well, I think what you would have is a, I think you would have a true mixing of all like cultures, everything sort of congealing into one. I mean, as time goes out, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's right? true. Everything would just kind of become homogeneous. Homogeneously like all the, you know, mixed, I guess. <laughs> Right. Everything would kind of just for better or for worse, just, I think, sort of converge into, I don't know if I, if that's good though. Well, I guess Buckminster Fuller is kind of, I think he's trying to make the argument that the big dogs are playing in one space. Like the whole world is their, you know, space. Whereas a lot of other people don't get the privilege of operating like the big corporations and moving sure, in between yeah. countries as fluidly. And yeah. I, I mean, he's trying to think of another example he used that kind of touched on this, that like excluded people. I, I think he talked about like how to buy stocks at a certain point, they said, you have to buy a hundred shares to enter this, you know, market or buy into this company. And sometimes that's inhibitively expensive. And to me, that kind of sounded like what an accredited investor is now. Investor is. Right. Yeah, so exactly. they kind of say it's to protect people, but it's really, ex I mean, it's excluding, you know, people just based on how much money they have. And it basically says, we don't trust you to make your own decisions. And yeah, so I think there's a lot of that going on. I agree with that. And I, I agree with that. I don't remember what the, the cost was, but to whatever we were doing Wall Street bets, the amount of money you had to be listed as a day trader in your mm -hmm. account, I, I thought was incredibly stupid. Right. Under the guise of, you know, protection. There are a lot of, in my opinion, really stupid laws that are approved under the guise of protecting the common citizen. I mean, it's honestly the easiest thing to do and, and or say to get a law passed is that it protects you or protects everyone. And in my opinion, it's really just how a lot of your rights are eaten away. I guess, you know, when we originally had this discussion, I think countries are important and I don't think we should abolish countries. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, guess I'd describe it when, when I was younger, I felt like, and maybe it's just because it's just something with age, but I felt a little more patriotic. Like I feel now like I'm a little bit more like free agent, like mentality. And I've talked to a lot of people that immigrate here, they kind of echo that sentiment that they don't really see themselves as one nationality. They kind of weave in and out. Elena introduced me to a woman that was like from Austria and went to school in America. And she kind of blends in and out of both cultures and she kind of considers herself a free agent. And I, I feel like I'm kind of starting to think a little bit more like that. I don't know how I mean, American don't, don't do you, you feel. Don't you inherently feel like well, I guess I was going to ask you, like, don't you feel like you're part of two cultures as it is? Like, don't you feel both one American and two Jewish? Like, those are two, I mean. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I Judaism is just a religion. But yeah, I mean, I. Like, for you, it's more of a religion than a culture? Because I view it way more as a culture. I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I'm not super religious. So I guess 
in terms of like my friends being Jewish, yeah, I guess it's more of a cultural thing. But at the end of the day, it's it's a religion. I view it as and not. But but although I, I just heard a story of when the USSR was or before the USSR was breaking up, a lot of the passports in like what is now like Uzbekistan, they actually would say Jewish as your nationality which that was news to me. But like the wealthy Jews, I guess, could get the passport switched to just say European. And a lot of those wealthy people were that said European were actually Jewish. I thought that was kind of interesting. So they, you know, viewed it as a people, as a nationality, I guess. I'm not particularly religious either, but I, I view it, yeah, I view it definitely much more as a culture and like a group of people than as a religion. But that's maybe just me. Actually, I don't think that's just me. I think a lot of people actually do it like that. I mean, in the way I live, it's in more Sunday cultural. School, when I was probably fifth or sixth, yeah, the fifth or sixth grade, like I, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Beth Cook was like, "Do you do you view yourself as a Jewish American or an American Jew?" I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say Jewish American, but I don't. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. There, so I don't know how we constantly come back to this point. <laughs> No, but it's, it's, it's something that like eats at me. Like I really like, yeah. And it's, um, and you know, we had a speaker at our actuarial seminar this last week that talked about how, you know, buying like team shirts really helps bond people together. But she also brought up the point and this woman had been on survivor and she was talking about the survivor buffs and how you immediately feel connected to the people on the team. But at the same time, she said, you should absolutely be thinking about how the people that don't have the buffs or don't have the shirts start to think because like, you know, making selling shirts and you're trying to build something. But what, what did the people without a shirt start to feel like they feel excluded? And I kind of get that. Like, I, I like feeling pride for America, but I, I do sometimes wonder if it's kind of not the best thing to do on like a world scale with like countries. Actually, in the, in the last solo mission I did, Collective Illusions, the guy talked about how when they randomly segregated people into groups, I think he called them either one or two, when they had the option of giving someone in their randomly selected group uh, money, he found that people gave more money to the people in their arbitrary group. Hmm. For, and these people had nothing in common. They were, just, they were all just randomly selected and chosen to be either a one or a two. And the ones when given the option, would give more money to the ones and the twos when given an option, would give more money to the twos. I think there is a lot of truth to what you were saying that people want to be part of like something, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, I like team sports. I'm a diehard Arsenal fan. I like, you know, cheering and being part of, you know, community of people going towards, you know, one goal, like, you know, win the champions league, win the premier league. Well, let's not get carried away with Arsenal there. I mean, when's the last time either of those things happened? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I do sometimes really think about that and how, I mean, kind of just luck of the draw and where you're born on some things. And Sure. Um, do you have anything else, really? I do not think so. I don't really either. This was an interesting book. So I guess with that said... Please reach out to us at brothersonbooks at gmail.com for any book recommendations or if you'd like to be a guest host for a particular book you have in mind. A great review or rating on whichever platform you're listening to would be greatly appreciated. And lastly, if you can think of any friend, family member, or coworker that might like this episode, please pass it along. 
I'm Alex Allwile, and with me as always is my brother Jack Allwile. Jack, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and what is the next book we are doing? I believe. Well, what's well? First of all, what's your solo mission going to be on? I think I'm actually going to do a book I just finished called Nazi Billionaires: The Dark really? History of Germany's Wealthiest Dynasties. It was very, very depressing to listen to. Uh, huh. So that that will be a fun one. Interesting. So after my solo mission, what will our, our next together book will be? I believe it's Elena's book, correct? It is. And because it's Elena's book, I really don't want to botch the title. So I'm going to look up to make, make sure I get the title exactly right. It is 32 Lessons from a 10-Day Fasting Retreat, Unlock the Power to Self-Healing Through Prolonged Fast. And my right. so my wife, Elena, went on a couple 10-day fasting retreats in rural Austria and learned a lot and it spurred her to look more into some of these studies written, some written in Russian, some written in German that hadn't been translated to English and translate them for the American people or the English speaking people, I should say. But yeah, should be a, a fun discussion. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Let her check.